Well, today is the first Sunday of, of Advent, the first Sunday of the Christian New Year. And today is the first Sunday of our Advent sermon series that's going to be about Christmas records. Really, records. Have you heard that, that word used to describe an album lately, a, a record? I love it. How about you? You know, this particular um, series is going to start with our favorite Christmas records, which was easy for me to come up with. I love the Christmas record, A Rocky Mountain Christmas, produced in the 1970s. Now, the younger folk in Thrive and in Crosswalk are doing uh, the Grinch, the Grinch today. I told them no way was I doing the Grinch in traditional worship. It's Rocky Mountain Christmas for me. Now, when we were talking this series through, uh, I brought up uh, uh, one of my favorite Christmas albums next to Rocky Mountain Christmas was an album uh, that featured a guy named Mitch Miller. Has anybody ever heard of Mitch Miller? Yes. And Jimmy Emery had never heard of Mitch Miller. No. Seriously, and nobody else in the circle had heard of Mitch. I, I promise, before this sermon series is over, we're going to sing along with Mitch, right? I can't wait. But today the message is titled after my favorite Christmas song on that Christmas record called A Baby Just Like You. Now, I've been singing this to you for 20 years, and I'm getting better. I think. But it is my favorite Christmas song. I mean, I, I heard it sung when I was like 16 years old. If you saw that Christmas special 42 years ago, 1975, in that climate-controlled globe, John Denver, with the help of, of Steve Martin, was even in that, that particular Christmas special, and Olivia Newton-John, and they sang for an hour to the largest television audience to ever see a Christmas musical. 65 million people in 1975 watched this Rocky Mountain Christmas unfold. But what I remember most of all about this particular music special was toward the end of the special, John Denver's then wife, Annie, whom he had written many beautiful love songs um, uh, about, she brought out in the middle of 65 million people their new adopted son, Zachary. And he was a mixed race baby, um, Cherokee Indian, Native American, and African American, and he was just beautiful. And John Denver sang a baby just like you for his son, Zachary. And I made a commitment to myself at the age of 16 that if I ever had a son, and my wife was amenable to this, I was going to name the kid Zachary. And sure enough, it happened. And that kid is now nearly 32 years old. But listen to the words of this song. As we hear this song in light of what we'll read from Scripture in just a moment from the prophet Isaiah.
season is upon us now a time for gifts and giving and as the year draws to its close I think about my living the Christmas time when I was young the magic and the wonder when colors dull and candles dim and dark my standing under oh little angel shining light you've set my soul to dreaming you've given back my joy in life you filled me Savior King was born that day, a baby just like you. And as the Magi came with gifts, I've come with my gift too. That peace on earth fills up your time, and brotherhood around you that you may know the warmth of love and wrap it all around you it's just a wish a dream I'm told from days when I was young Merry Christmas little Zachary Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, little Zachary. And Merry Christmas, everyone. that bring back memories what's your favorite Christmas record well I want to hear about that you know I love what John Denver said in this Christmas song about Christmas that it's a time to think about our living you know Advent is a time to think about our living Advent is a contemplative time as we approach Christmas Day four weeks of thinking about our living. And I love that John Denver said about his little angel, Zachary, that he had set his soul to dreaming. You know, the story behind the story was that John Denver struggled with depression most all of his life. And you know, in that song, when he talks about, you, you've given my life new meaning, he's really talking about a gift that that baby had brought to his life given life new meaning 
And John Denver was raised Lutheran, but it's said that he kind of walked away from Christianity as his, his, uh, his only faith uh, to exploration of other religions. But I love in this song the profession. A Savior King was born this day. A baby just like you. And what we hear in that profession is John Denver affirming in his son, Zachary, that the spirit of Jesus that was born into the world fully human. And yet we also know to say a savior king is to acknowledge the divinity of Jesus and that Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves as humans. And then the naming of this savior king in the Christmas story, John Denver speaking to 65 million plus because they ran this special for many years. That peace on earth, fill up your time is, is the gift he's sharing. And brotherhood surround you that you may know the warmth of love. I'd like to say Christ's love and wrap it all around you. Christ's love wrapped all around you. You know, Isaiah the prophet gave in his prophecy a dream, a hope, a gift, similar to what John Denver gave in his, his little Christmas special, especially in that song, A Baby Just Like You. But Isaiah's prophecy was one that has spoken for centuries to people of faith. Judeo-Christian faith about the hope of a Messiah, a Savior King that would be born one day. And we know during this season throughout Isaiah, we hear it over and over again as well as other prophets heralding the birth of this baby, this Messiah to come. And this reading that we'll read today from the second chapter of Isaiah, the first five verses, is the beginning of that, that dream, that hope, that gift that he later identifies, Isaiah does, as the Christ, the Savior King. So I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to Isaiah, the second chapter. We'll read the first five verses. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. The word that Isaiah, son of Hamaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that he may walk, we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples." They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation 
shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, I love Advent because it's this time that we read these passages of Scripture from prophecy about a day that is not here yet, about a time that is coming, ushered in by a Savior whom we welcome into our lives again year after year, and that's what Christmas is all about. You know, we sometimes wonder, however, at least I do, when we read these great prophecies about peace on earth filling up our time, in essence, as Denver said it, is it really possible? Is the hope that Isaiah raises, the hope of people uh, beating their swords into plowshares to bring about food and beating their spears into pruning hooks to bring about food. Is that really a possibility? Is there ever going to be a day in this world, on this globe, when we don't study war anymore? Friends, if we don't have that hope, we're missing the point of Advent. We're missing the main message. We're missing the good news that we must proclaim. You know, our world seems to be in constant strife with nations on the brink of war. Just this past week, we watched another North Korean missile launched into the sky and we've heard the back and the forth from all over the world about war. And we're just a few weeks A few weeks past, what happened when we gathered for worship a few weeks ago in this place and in Sutherland Springs, Texas, a man walked into a church there and massacred people. Will we ever be to a place where this kind of violence doesn't exist? And as we contemplate sexuality as a denomination, we have in the past few weeks been overwhelmed with with the issues of sexual harassment regarding powerful persons, and it's just been staggering. Will Will we ever get to a place that we don't objectify another, treat others in a dehumanizing way? You know, there is an evil force in our world that's very real. And I I, I don't think that Isaiah in any means, as you read through his prophecy, would, would say that there's not an evil force in this world. In fact, the prophets are very clear about this warfare that's going on that is more of a spiritual warfare. But if we see this as only a, a human place to live and breathe and have our being, then perhaps we will be overwhelmed. 
If we believe that the course of nations and persons is determined solely by human endeavors, then there may not be much hope. Human sin has corrupted God's good creation and has turned it into a a scene of war and violence that we have seen really through the centuries. But if we believe with Isaiah and the prophets that God is the Lord who will have the final say, God is the one who will make the the, the final choice, God is the one whose love will be the ultimate judge, then we can have hope. We can look to a future with confidence. We can see that confidence starting within even a a local place like Lover's Lane. For Isaiah puts it in very clear words from this lesson today. Something special is going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Do we believe that? Do we believe what the prophets have said, the purpose of Christ's coming, the Savior King born on Christmas Day, was to make a different place of this world? We, we often pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer um, about heaven, and sometimes we talk about heaven practice here at Lover's Land, but do we really believe that, that this kingdom of God will come on earth as it is in heaven? You know, the passage that we've read today heralds about Mount Zion, about this mountain that is above all mountains, about this important mountain that draws people to itself. And Zion's importance will be elevated and God's decisive consequence of human history will be something that is special and that it will occur. All nations, it says, And peoples will turn and worship at the guidance of the Lord of history. Now, what are we going to do this side of that good news being fulfilled? What are we, as Christian people, this Advent 2017 going to do with this good news? I've got a question. If we knew that God's desire was to bring all nations to worship him and to learn about him together, why wouldn't we want to work to that end? Why wouldn't we want to be that place where people find this good news and experience this good news? And and another question. Could it be that the church of Jesus Christ has already been named as this Zion, this Zion place, that the church that that Christ instituted, the church, the bearer of the good news of God coming in the form of a human, fully human, fully divine, to bring in and to bring us all together in this understanding of God's love. You know, one of the things that I love about what God is doing here at Lover's Lane is that God is creating such a Zion place. 
And by a Zion place, I'm talking about a place where the good news of God's love, the good news of the Savior King who has ushered this love in, is a good news that draws people to us and causes us to want to invite people in. You know, it's said by sociologists and consultants, too many to name, that the church of the future, if there is to be a church of the future, and we of faith believe there will be, will be a church that is very diverse. Young and old, rich and poor, multicultural and diverse, single families all together, coming together in local settings. Not, not just this homogeny that we hear talked about of days gone by, of this is the only way to grow the church. The church of the future is going to be a church where all nations, all peoples, all kinds of folk come together. I believe that. And we at Lover's Lane have been experiencing that for some, some time now. People coming together. People being drawn from all over. People coming for all sorts of reasons. But when you look at us, in this particular congregation, it looks like heaven practice. Isaiah calls it walking in the light. You know, we had charge conference just last week and you know, pastors are really glad when charge conference comes and goes. There are lots of reports that you have to prepare. For, for weeks, you're preparing these reports, and nobody um, has loved for that to be gone as much as, as, as my administrative assistant, Cheryl Andrews, who did such a great job, and Kayak and Tom Hudspeth, all working, 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 getting these reports. And then you meet with your district superintendent, and you talk about what's happened this past year, and, and then it's over, and, and you're so glad it's over. But this year... Our district superintendent said some things to us that I was so glad those of us who were there could hear, and I'm going to pass it on to you. She said you have a special place here. Really, God is doing things here that I don't see being done really anywhere. Don't quote me on that, she said, and I've just quoted her <laughs> on the radio. But she said, it's amazing how God's bringing all of you together, all different kinds of people together, and how your mission is so strong and how, how your, your initiatives are so, um, so cutting edge. She just went on and I just wanted her to. And then she acknowledged what we've been talking about. That's what the scholarships are about. How many young people are being called into ministry here? Right out of this diverse group, we're seeing more and more young people being called into ministry. We've got 10 in seminary right now. And when you, we, we read the list of all of the pastors who are connected here, some on staff, of course, but many others who call Lover's Lane their charge conference. When you look at our staff and our connected staff, Tindris Sewell is from the Congo. Goni and Jacob Tofa are from Zimbabwe. Jacob Kiga is from Kenya. 
Hal Racinos is from Puerto Rico. Lucy French is from Ecuador. Kurt Merschel is from Germany. And when you look at the rest of the staff, some from Mexico, Burundi, Rwanda, and Chandler, Texas. <laughs> you know, I have just described our staff, but when you look at the, the entire congregation, just the heart of Africa alone, this morning there's going to be 14 different nationalities in worship was preaching in English, interpreting into two or three different languages today. All nations. This past week, I got a call. It wasn't an unusual week. I got a call from the, um, the president of the Moscow Seminary. We know Sergei Nikolov. We've known and loved him for many years. He needed a little help. He said, we need to get our, our newsletter out to 1,200 people in the United States. Could you help us like you did last year? I said, well, sure. And we funded scholarships in Kenya for, for kids in the school there that we've supported because we went way over what we hoped to get. And we said, if we do, we're going to sponsor two more kids in Kenya. And we continue to, I talked to Chris Chikori this past week who's on sabbatical in Zimbabwe, his home country. And we know what's been going on in Zimbabwe. That connects us in a way that we would not otherwise be connected if it weren't for this Zion place called Lover's Lane. In the midst of that political change that's going on there, there's both... Um, uh, anxiety and hope all at the same time. Last week I had the privilege last Sunday to go to the Zimbabwean Fellowship and, and to, to speak to them a word of comfort on behalf of the congregation. We continue to support Betty and Peter Wieto in Liberia in the Zoge Hospital that's been changed, saving lives, saving lives for many years. In this church, you are the number one supporter of Lydia Patterson Institute, that 103-year-old high school in El Paso, Texas, Lover's Lane, number one in our support of that school and have been for a long time. Today, we'll be starting a worship service. Ted Campbell's going to be preaching at... at, at um, the Fort Worth Avenue, a little warehouse that's been renovated by one of our members is a gift to us. 723 Fort Worth Avenue, you're going to hear more and more about it. It's going to be a mission station for young adults. There are, there are apartments going up all over the place there. And right in the middle of that is going to be a place where we'll gather. Trinity River Mission, Wesley Rankin. Uh, we're going to see young people come into ministry like never before. Tonight they're gathering for worship for the very first time around the Lord's table. God has called us to be a Zion place. God has called us to brand ourselves loving all. And all does mean all. You know, another reason why all will travel to this Mount of Zion or to these Zion places is to receive instruction, the Scripture says. 
The scripture says, Isaiah says in his prophecy that people come to that mountain, they come to that Zion place to learn God's ways and to walk in God's paths. In verse 5, there's that poignant call that God will bring to earth his order. Walk in the light of the Lord. And walking in the light in worship, in Christian education, in missional outreach, in understanding ourselves to be a mission station, a Zion place where you are welcome. You know, a few weeks ago, we gathered and celebrated in Asbury Hall the 15th anniversary. It doesn't seem like 15 years of Christ Foundry, which is the the um, Spanish-speaking church that we formed many years ago with other partner churches. It's been incredible. Lynn Stallings, uh, Frank Jackson, uh, uh, Dan Garner are just three that have given more than money. They've given so much time and effort to that cause. And now Christ Foundry stands as one of the largest Spanish-speaking United Methodist churches in the country. And they gathered here, and they gathered all of the covenant churches here because they wanted to say thank you to all of us for the support through the years, for the love, for for the the, the money and the time we've poured into them. It, It caused me to think of a custom among our Spanish-speaking friends that is in keeping with the teachings of God. Spanish-speaking people have an expression that illustrates the point Isaiah, I believe, was getting to. The expression is, mi casa es tu casa. You know what it means. My house is your house. That sounds like a simple greeting, like come on in. (laughs) But it's more than that. Owen Ross told me that mi casa es tu casa, when it's said in the Christian, Judeo-Christian understanding of hospitality, it means much more than come on in. It means when you are in, you are a part of the family. You're not seen as a guest. You're not seen as a stranger. You're seen as one of us. You are part of the family. And you know, I've noticed when we are dealing with touchy issues in this society, when we are, when we are struggling with issues related to um, how we relate to others, when, when we understand that relationship to be part of the family, we treat each other differently. We love each other at a different level. You know, I pray that we as Lovers Lane can continue to understand ourselves not just as a Zion place, but a Zion place that says loudly and clearly in the understanding of our Savior King, mi casa es tu casa. Our house is your house. Come in. You're part of God's family. And we're sisters and brothers here. 
The Savior King that Isaiah talks about after this foundational prophecy in the second chapter is one that we as Christians know as Jesus, Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, who said, as was recorded in the 12th chapter of John, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Our call today, Lover's Lane, as we gather around this table that we know to be the Lord's, is to again hear the words of Jesus. The table set. Come. All are welcome. Come. Mi casa tu casa. Come. May we come with the great understanding that God has called us to be a Zion place where peace reigns, where swords are pounded into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Amen.